Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, it is officially spring, score one for the good guys, which means warmer weather, which means you don't need as heavy a clothes. So maybe you may want to lighten up your wardrobe a little bit by head over to Leon Tailoring. That's right, maybe a nice spring jacket or maybe a nice pair of slacks or trousers or perhaps a nice spring dress uh, for the ladies in our audience. No matter what it is, Leon Tailoring can take care of all your spring needs. So spring on over Leon Tailoring. Larry, Norm, Kim, and Judy, happy to see you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown indianapolis okay thanks everyone for joining us i'm matt ottinger with the indiana chamber i'm joined by our president and ceo kevin brenniger as well as ashton eller our vice president of Healthcare policy and employment law and david ober our vice president of uh, taxation and public finance uh, each of my colleagues will give uh, a little rundown about uh, the bills they're focused on uh, this week in the legislature, and then we'll open it up uh, for questions. Uh, Kevin, do you want to start us off? Yeah, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Um, we are at that uh, point in the session that uh, some refer to as the silly season, um, where uh, you really have to stay on your toes as uh, advocates, uh, in our case for the business community, uh, because Amendments are popping up uh, in various places, uh, in some cases, quite large amendments, 100 pages or more. Um, in some cases, it's bills that didn't get hearings uh, in the first half, and in some cases, entirely new ideas. For example, in the, in the tax area, uh, there are really, I would describe four bills, tax and fiscal policy area, that um, a major bill still in play. One, we're waiting to see what the Senate's uh, reveal of the budget bill is. Uh, then there's the Department of Revenue bill, which got a major amendment last week. The uh, Department of Local Government Finance bill, which got a major amendment last week. And then we're also waiting to see uh, on the uh, so-called property tax relief bill 1499. Uh, and I will let my colleague David Ober talk about those in just a minute. Um, we had two bills in committee last week that had rare tie votes. Uh, that are being bought, brought back. Those are both in Ashton's area of responsibility. So uh, we've uh, discussed that he's having Groundhog Week uh, this week as these bills are being uh, brought back up and uh, committee chairs and others are trying to see if they can leverage someone to either change their vote or not show up to the committee or somehow change the outcome on those bills. Um, we're very pleased Senate Bill 5, which is the data privacy bill, uh, cleared second reading yesterday without any amendments being offered. That bill is now in very good shape and strikes, a, we think, a very good balance between uh, adding some really new um, consumer, consumer protections and authority for uh, individuals, consumers to um, have a say-so and control what does or doesn't happen with their data uh, but putting some reasonable uh, expectations and responsibilities on um, employers and, and those who, um, retailers who gather consumer information in order to process orders, et cetera. Uh, House Bill 1008, the, um, what we call the anti-ESG bill having to do with state pension funds, was heard, was amended significantly and made better uh, but unfortunately for us, it's still a bill we oppose that has passed out of committee and is waiting for action on the floor of the Senate. Um, and then uh, 
pretty significant um, amendment and uh, a bill that is very important to various entities within the business community, and that's House Bill 1343, which calls for a complete review of all occupational licenses to really address the question, are the regulations and the requirements in those various occupational licensings really needed? Uh, which ones are needed? Which ones are not to protect public health and safety? Uh, we know we've seen it over the years where some professions uh, want to add regulations and requirements uh, in order to essentially shrink the supply of people functioning in those occupations uh, so that uh, they can drive up the charges uh, that they can charge for their services, uh, perhaps sometimes unnecessarily. Uh, then there's House Bill 1002, which uh, received a major overhaul in the Education Committee. This is the bill that's looking to sort of, quote, reinvent high school with more focus on career preparation, career coaching, and um, our colleague, Jason Beers, has been working uh, very diligently on that bill, uh, working with the, the chairman uh, for uh, a bit of an overhaul, uh, trying to make the bill a bit more workable and practical, and uh, that occurred in the Senate Education Committee yesterday, and that bill, or not yesterday, excuse me, last week, and uh, is uh, moving to the Senate floor. That bill will undoubtedly go to conference committee and receive some further uh, discussion and review and negotiation between uh, the, the original House author and um, Senator Rotts, who chairs the Senate Education Committee. With that, let me stop there. Let me call my uh, colleague, David Ober, to uh, maybe go into some more depth on those tax and fiscal policy bills and anything else that, uh, you've got going on in your world. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Um, I think the big one that you mentioned that's being heard this morning in Senate tax and fiscal is the, uh, the property tax legislation authored by Chairman Jeff Thompson. And um, this bill was kind of a, to address the, the, the overarching concern of high property tax assessments and um, the resulting bills that are, I'm sure, in the in the mail if you haven't received them already from your local unit of government. Um, I'm looking at amendment number 22 uh, that's that's been filed. I'm assuming that this 35-page uh, amendment is coming from Chairman Holdman and essentially strips everything out of the bill except for two sections that of the underlying bill, and those deal with uh, property tax uh, uh, appraisals. Um, and any kind of appeals that uh, result from those assessments and essentially states that uh, a local property tax uh, or a, a local uh, homeowner, if they appeal their appraisal, they can get an independent assessment and that assessment is deemed to be uh, properly calculated unless the uh, appeals board goes and gets their own independent assessment. And then there's a section in the bill that remains that deals with counties being able to adopt um, Option, uh, adopt an optional program to provide ta uh, property tax relief. And um, uh, so some of those are, you know, credits out into the future. One of those is, uh, you know, some relief and pay in the current year, uh, but unlikely that uh, local units will adopt anything that would provide relief uh, under this bill as drafted 
uh, this year because they would have to resend out their uh, out the bills, which could be quite costly. Uh, the amendment also adds a bunch of stuff related to uh, food and beverage taxes and takes bills that have passed the Senate in the first half, but maybe haven't received a hearing in the House and stuffed them in there. So this has now become another omnibus tax bill. Uh, this is a bill that we were watching, but we didn't have a position on it because um, until it started to leave the House, uh, simply because of uh, you know some shifting of the cost of local government to uh, to other property tax classes, including the commercial class. Um, Within gears, uh, Kevin talked about Senate Bill 419, which is the Department of Revenue bill. They dropped a 90-page amendment into that last week, and it has become a, a bit of a behemoth. Um, some of the uh, some of the position, or some of the new policies in there are things that uh, the chamber has championed, and uh, items that we would like to see cross the finish line. Two of those that I'll talk about this morning are a 30-day safe harbor provision for out-of-state workers um, essentially uh, means that if they are in the state working for less than 30 days, they don't have to file a tax return to the state of Indiana, nor does the employer have to do any kind of uh, income tax withholding for that employer or for that employee, rather. So this will streamline some things, make it easier for employees and employers in the state of Indiana, and we're definitely supportive of that measure. Uh, another measure that's probably greater in scope and something that the chamber asked for specifically to be added to the bill is a decoupling from the federal government's uh, research and, de and development expensing uh, policy and the Internal Revenue Code. Um, some of these tax policies that have been acted at the federal level would require businesses to kind of amortize or spread their research and development expenses over a period of five years instead of immediately expensing it in the year that those investments were made. And uh, that policy goes into it, went into effect in January of last year. So for this uh, current tax year that they're getting ready to file, this would allow businesses to fully expense at the state level, even if they can't take advantage of that relief at the federal level. And we are also supportive of a bill that was filed by um, Senator Todd Young that would repeal that provision at the federal level so that this goes back to kind of where it was in 2017. Um, I'll switch now to the DLGF bill, which has also become another omnibus tax bill. This one uh, had a large amendment added and there was language added that the chamber opposes. Um, primarily is a, a, they, they amended language in that is essentially Senate Bill 86, which uh, caps the wholesale tax on premium cigars at 72 cents. Uh, prior to this, this change, uh, that tax is at 24% of the wholesale value. And so this is uh, a significant tax relief on premium cigars. I, I will let uh, my colleague Ashton talk about uh, the policy, the, the health policy behind that and why we oppose it. Um, but there is an amendment on second reading that would remove that language and we're supportive of that and trying to get that, uh, get that language out of the bill. And last but not least, there's um, kind of a duplicative uh, amendment that uh, uh, language that is in the budget but now has been added to this uh, agency bill that deals with ready and what types of uh, grants can be awarded and there's some problematic language in there dealing with broadband 
Uh, so we are hoping that uh, that language will be removed. It's only necessary to be in one place, but it seems like someone out there is trying to stick it in multiple locations to ensure its survival. David, I can mention that uh, I got my property tax statement last night and uh, assessment went up 11%. And unfortunately, the bill went up $400 or so. So um, comparable to what we're hearing in other places, I suppose. Yeah. Ashton? Yeah, good morning, everyone. Thanks for having me on the call and thank you for tuning in. Um, as Kevin mentioned, it's kind of Groundhog Week all around here. Uh, a couple of uh, chamber priorities regarding the health of Hoosiers are being heard. I don't know if Ways and Means has started up. I had it when we started the call, but it might be going on now. Um, Senate Bill 1 and Senate Bill 4 are both being heard right now on Ways and Means, and hopefully we'll make it out. Uh, Senate Bill 1, as you all know, uh, deals with the mental uh, health of Hoosiers. It's a, uh, recommendations from the Behavioral Health Commission. The chamber has been a supporter of that this session. Uh, we think Senator Kreider and Representative Vermillion have done hard work on this issue. Uh, and the numbers, the cost of untreated mental illness to the state is staggering at $4.2 billion impact. But in addition to that, not addition, part of that, um, Hoosier employers lose $885 million annually in lost productivity. And it costs the state set over $700 million per year in direct healthcare costs. Um, so this issue is a direct impact to Hoosier employers and our members and Hoosier businesses. So it's something that we see the need for Senate Bill 1 to pass. We're excited to be a supporter of it. We testified in favor of it in the House. We testified in favor of the Senate. Um, and we know that this is the first step in a long process of making sure that uh, Hoosiers make not just our physical health, but our mental health with looking at issues of addiction and uh, cost to uh, take care of someone if they... Um, are addicted to those types of uh, substances or if they pass away and the grieving process for a loved one. Those are all things that directly affect employers and we look forward to being part of that process going forward because we know this isn't something that Senate Bill 1 is not cure-all. We know that there's going to be need to be legislation in future upcoming sessions to make sure that we make Indiana or make Hoosiers more healthy. Um, and the same goes for Senate Bill 4, which has had a rockier process in both chambers. Um, more specifically, the House Republican Caucus has some uh, amending language that's going into Senate Bill 4, I believe, this morning. Um, the Governor's Public Health Commission, we recognize that Hoosiers have physical um, health issues. Where we, You guys have heard the numbers. I don't need to tell you the numbers, but we rank near the bottom of numerous health metrics, one of which is one that we've been talking about for a long time, which is smoking. Uh, we believe that a way to fund either Senate Bill 1, Senate Bill 4, combination of both, take your pick, how they choose to do it, is a $2 per pack cigarette tax increase. Um, it would directly help the metrics that are mentioned in Senate Bill 4, um, and it would lower healthcare costs for our members and for policyholders throughout the state. So we believe now is the time to fund these important things in Senate Bill 1 and Senate Bill 4 for a $2 per pack cigarette tax increase. Um, if now is not the time, I don't know what it is. These are perfect issues to deal with these. So those are two things I wanted to hit on. The, I will re talk about what Kevin talked about earlier, The my Groundhog Week. Um, as many of you saw, or I mentioned, saw in some news outlets, uh, two bills were tied last week, both in their respective labor committees. Uh, in the House Labor Committee, um, Senate Bill 7 was tied. Uh, 
coming out of the Senate, we opposed this bill. Uh, we believe that employers should be able to enter into contracts, including non-competes with their employees as they see fit, and the government doesn't have a role in encroaching upon the those contracts. Um, the chairman of that committee- This is the physician non-compete. Yes, Senate Bill so, 7. Prohibition. Thank you. Uh, Senate Bill 7 um, was what I'm talking about, the physician non-compete. Uh, we believe that all employers, including healthcare providers, should be able to contract with their employees. Um, Senate Bill 7 was amended in committee to cut out a large part um, of, of physicians, so at that point we became neutral. Uh, we are still watching this bill closely because we believe um, we want to watch it throughout the process, make sure that that amendment stays in, that we are able to be neutral. Um, if that amendment comes out, we would go back to being opposed to this bill. So it's a bill that we're watching closely. It was tied in committee, it is being heard again this morning, I believe at 1030. So um, we will see what happens there. Another bill that was tied in committee on the Senate Labor Committee is House Bill 1024, which includes um, the repeal of the use of project labor agreements for some public projects that are uh, built in a specific fashion. Um, we, we have long supported the repeal of project labor agreements as a possibility for public projects. We believe that uh, local governments should be picking their uh, bidders, their contractors, based upon the person or the company that can deliver it best at the lowest cost, regardless of their uh, affiliation with a union or not. So that's one that we continue to support and are working to get across the finish line after a tie vote last week. So. That is my groundhog week for bills that I've were heard in various committees last week, and uh, we look forward to getting some of these across the line. One other very significant bill I would mention um, is um, that passed out of the House Education Committee yesterday, Senate Bill 486, um, would significantly change the teacher collective bargaining law to um, say that it is the uh, option of the local hey guys, school board Bill, your Republican candidate for mayor as to whether or not they want to bargain collectively or not, or whether they just want to have discussions. Uh, the chamber has a longstanding position uh, calling for the repeal of what's known as Public Law 217. And um, this would move in that direction. That was a long, uh, long hearing yesterday, but that bill has already been through the Senate, uh, has come out of the House Education Committee and headed to the House floor. So with that, uh, Matt, we'll open up to questions and conversation. For questions right now, just go ahead and unmute yourself and, and ask your question if you like. There's not a question. I'm gonna interject with a point that I missed that Dave hit on and I apologize for, I did not bring up the cigar tax. Um, so. One of our concerns, as I mentioned with the cigarette taxes, that tobacco use is skyrocketing amount of the youth. Um, now it's not the time lowering the tax on any tobacco product, regardless of what it is, um, including cigars, which are the secondly most used tobacco product among youth. Um, this proposed cap on cigars at 72 cents per cigar would re result in a revenue loss to the state of Indiana that would include numerous important programs, including affordable housing and community uh, I'm sorry, Affordable Housing and Community Development Fund, the Healthy Indiana uh, Trust Fund Plan, uh, Pension Relief Fund, the State Retiree Health Benefit Trust Fund, and Medicaid Provider Reimbursements, along with the Mental Health Centers Fund. So we just believe that this is kind of a short-sighted 
way to take um, on cigar tax. We should be going the other way on these tobacco products, not capping slash cutting um, the cigar tax. So Dave touched on that. Thank you. And I forgot to follow up with it. So that is. And I would add this from our perspective is very bad tax policy uh, because it says that you know, even if you purchase a $50 cigar, which there are, uh, which they exist, you're only going to pay tax on the $3 cigar. And you know, that's analogous to somebody buying a, a two thousand dollar big screen TV to watch the Super Bowl and only having to pay uh, sales tax on two the first two hundred dollars, or someone buying an eighty thousand dollar car and uh, only having to pay uh, sales tax on the first ten thousand dollars. You know, if you can afford and choose to buy a fifty dollar cigar, then uh, surely you can afford to pay the tax on it. And uh, we shouldn't. Uh, we hope that this language comes out that it's. You know, not a priority of the General Assembly to uh, cut taxes on tobacco companies. So, and like we said, we think it's going in the wrong direction and it's bad tax policy. Okay, uh, are there uh, any questions? Okay, if, if no further questions, we'll go ahead and conclude today's session. I thank you all for joining us. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.